Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, I heard a story. I found it very interesting. It was about a young Christian, okay, it's a Christian uh, teenager who enlisted in the army just right after graduation from high school. I'm going, I'm going in, man, I'm going in. Well, his friends kind of went, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, they were a little bit concerned, guys, that, uh, that, that his faithfulness to the Lord was going to, well, how is that going to be amidst the military pressures, right? How are, how are you going to act? Well, they let him go, and the young soldier came home from leave, Right after boot camp, and his friends gathered around and said, bro, how was it? Oh, it was amazing. It was cool. And so they asked the question. They said, um, did the others ridicule you for being a Christian? And he's like, uh, no, not at all. And they're like, really? We thought for sure some of the other non-believers were going to ridicule you. And he goes, no, no. As a matter of fact, they never knew I was a Christian. So my question after reading this story is, do people around us know that we're a follower of Jesus? Do they really know? Listen, there's a lot of good folks out there. There's a lot of good people doing good things, but a lot of people chalk that up to, oh, they're just a good person. That's just a good person. Hey, thumbs up, man. But but my question is, is do people know? See, it's... It's easy in our culture, church. Listen, it's easy in our culture to blend into the crowd. I don't think we need to be obnoxious, but if we are a follower of Jesus, our faith should shine and be obvious to others. Are we fully devoted followers of Christ? That's the question. Now, before we answer that question through the life of Paul, I want to remind you what we talked about last week. Okay, I, I don't just want you to walk into the story and go, oh, where are we? I want to bring you in. And, and last week, guys, the Apostle Paul actually told us that he hated to boast. But when it came down to the church there in Corinth, guys, he said, man, I feel like it's necessary. I feel like it's necessary. And you go, why, Pastor, why? Well, understand this, guys. Paul... His credibility was being undermined by these so-called super apostles and these false teachers. Because if you recall, they were claiming to be better than him. You see, Paul didn't look like your super apostle. He didn't look like the guy that walked around. He was, this is Paul. And they're like, really? That's Paul? And they would come in, guys, and they would drive up, and they'd have their armor bearers, and they'd walk in, and they thought they were something, and they were undermining who Paul was. And Paul was like, man, I need to tell you a few things. And I really feel uncomfortable. I don't want to brag about himself as a believer. And so reluctantly, he's like, listen, I just, mm, please, oh, mm, mm. But in order to save the weak Corinthians, guys, from being led into false teaching, Paul says, I need to say something. I need to say something. And so in verses 1 through 15, guys, he gave us a preview really about what we're to learn next. And I want to recap before we move into 16 to 33. The Apostle Paul, in these last chapters, begins to defend his apostolic office. 
and the message against these so-called super apostles who were challenging Paul's authority. These are, there were, there were still people in Corinth, guys, even after he planted the church, after he loved on them, after he nurtured them, after he taught them, there were still people who were, well, they weren't sure about Paul. But see, there was a lot of people who actually went, oh, I'm sorry, I've, I forget, and, 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 and so they repented and they asked for his forgiveness. But there was a group of people who put their hands in their pocket and said, no, I don't think so. I'll say, you hear about Paul? You hear about Paul? No, Paul? He thinks he's something. Well, no, no, no. Paul's right, man. He planted it. I've, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And so they begin to question, guys, his authority. Now, if Paul, guys, to Paul, if you were to simply question Paul the person, to him, that's not a big deal. If you said, hey, 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 Paul, you, you don't look like you're a real evangelist. You don't look like you should be preaching the gospel. Paul, you're, you're short. You're crooked. Your nose is crooked. You're bald. You're whatever. I mean, Paul would be like, I'm not even going to waste my time. He, he really would, guys. Because Paul was humble enough, guys. He was humble enough not to argue what you thought about him personally. Hey, man, you're, you're this and this and this. Paul would go, I know. I know. Well, you didn't grow very tall. I know. Well, you walk with a limp. I know. Let's talk about something that's important. But if you're questioning his calling as an apostle, guys, then you question his message about Christ. And that Paul will defend. Paul say, whoa, 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 whoa. Right? And you might say, Ben, Ben, I've got a question. So what was the problem? What, what was the problem these people had with Paul? What did they, what, what was it really? Well, okay. So guys, put your thinking caps on. There were some people in Corinth, guys, who denied who Paul was. You go, why would they do that? Well, they pointed to his elaborate writings, his powerful writings, his ability to express himself was just a powerful thing. They looked at that. Now, the problem they had is that his outward appearance didn't match his very powerful letters. And they went, oh, this doesn't... And that was a true contradiction in their eyes. As a matter of fact, um, it says in verse 10, it says, for his letters, they say, are weighty... And powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. That's what they were saying. You go, what does that mean? Well, let me just put it to you this way, guys. They were expecting Ramses from Nacho Libre, and they got Nacho. (laughs) That's who they were expecting. They were expecting the skipper, and they got Gilligan. They were expecting Dwayne the Rock Johnson and they got Kevin Hart instead. Do you guys understand? That's, this is how they see. This is who he is, right? And Paul goes, no, 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 guys. Okay, okay, let's chat. He says, so Paul reminds them of three things. He says, let me remind you. And then I want to talk to you about my behavior and my sufferings. Okay? Because what they were doing is they were judging Paul by the way he looked. Well, he writes very strong letters, but when he comes up, that doesn't... Oh! Oh! This is what he's saying. You go, well, what have we learned? Well, if you're taking notes, guys, I want to remind you what we learned. 
Okay? First and foremost, he told us that we should follow the example of Christ. We should imitate Christ. Now, I want you to take a moment, look at your life, and see, are we imitating Jesus? Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You go, well, what does that look like in my life? Well, let me ask you this. Does your life reflect the life of Jesus? Does it really? I mean, are you kind? Are you compassionate? Are you humble? Are you? Think about what Jesus was. Well, pastor, I get angry, but do you get righteously angry? For the things that matter to God. Again, guys, Paul says we should imitate and follow the example of Christ. Well, I don't know what Christ is like. Well, it's in his word. Right here, we got to follow with this. Okay, Lord, well, Lord, tell me what you're like. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Guys, it's the most precious thing. Our six-year-old granddaughter right now is in that stage where she is contemplating everything with a heart. Oh, is that wrong? Uh, Grandpa, is that sin? Should I not do that? I'm, I'm checking my motives every time. And it, not only is it cute, but it convicts me. Do you think God uses our kids to convict us? Do you think God uses our kids and our grandkids to show us what he's like? I want to imitate Christ. I want to imitate Christ, guys. Well, Ben, what about, what about Paul? Well, let me just say this, guys. There are going to be times when we have to defend our Christian life. But let me do it this way. Always remember to do it with a gentle heart. Why? Because I'd rather win the person than win the argument. Let me say that again. I'd rather win the person than win the argument. For example, there are times when the door is unlocked and somebody will come through here and they always pull on the door and they'll come, they'll come in. And nine times out of ten, there's somebody who my heart breaks for because they know just enough of the Bible, but they're really handicapped mentally a little bit. You guys know what I'm talking about. And... I sit there and, and we just smile and we just listen and we love on them. But theologically, if they wanted to debate, I could win the argument. I could win the argument. But that's not what God called me to do. God called me to win the person. So we love on them. We say, sure, here, here's some hand sanitizer. You need, you need some food. We got it. We love you, man. What, what's the fourth commandment? Well, you know, love you, bro. We love you. The second thing is what Paul taught us, guys, and I want you to jot this down. He says, guys, we're in a spiritual war. Don't fight carnally. Okay? We're in a spiritual war. In a spiritual war, guys, we should be praying. We should be reading our Bible. We should be fasting. This is what, this is a spiritual war. For the pulling down of strongholds, for the taking every thought captive. Now, listen, Charles Spurgeon, the great pulpiteer, once was asked, and I wrote this down, quote, when asked, what's more important, praying or reading our Bibles? He responded, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? End quote. That's deep, is it not? Well, pastor, what's more important? Should I pray? Pray. Should I read my Bible? Read your Bible. Guys, because we're in a war. We're in a war. And we got to fight. Okay, you ready? I want you to assume the fighting position. 
Okay? I think Nick mentioned it this morning. Not because we're something. Yeah. Because God's everything. Amen. Not because, oh, you know, well, uh, the devil thought I was down until I got up. That's not, no. You know what? It's Jesus. Yes. It's in my weakness he's strong. But I, can, but I will eventually get up. But I've been in the war. That's what he's saying. The third thing we learned, listen, don't judge by appearance. You don't know what God's doing in the heart of people. Don't judge by what you see on the Oh, look at that. He, he, wow, that's, you should be a pastor. Why? Because you're two feet tall over everybody and you have, you have charisma. Really? No, it's the ones that are just... Uh. Listen to me. Listen, I've been preaching well over 20 years. Now, I know you think I should be better. Okay, go oh, understand. But there's not a moment I don't get nervous coming up to this pulpit. And you go, you still get nervous? I do, and I'll tell you why. Because the moment I get up here with confidence, it's me and it's not God. I, I just go, God, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this, Lord. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I do, but you know what I'm saying. Paul says, listen, I can be just as bold in person as I can in my letters. I can be just as bold. So then last week, what does he do? He continues to confront those who oppose the gospel. How so? He says, let me show you some true marks of being an apostle. What's the true mark of being an apostle? What's the true mark of being a Christian? It says it's, it's his conduct. It's how we behave. How we behave. Let me say that again. How we behave. Because people are looking at how we behave. Do you believe what you behave? Or do you believe, do you behave how you believe? I believe. I believe. What do you believe, Ben? Listen to me. I believe the Lord Jesus can come back at any second. I do. So how am I going to behave? I want to be righteous. And I need to fall on his grace because I still mess up. But I, I know. I know. I know. I know he's coming back. I know he's good. Jesse, I know he's good because he restores marriages. I believe that. But there are times that I don't. Oh, Lord, help me. I believe, guys, I believe that he can take the drug addict and clean him up and restore him and use him in ministry. Do you believe that? So, so Paul says, listen, guys, this is, this is it. He says, this is it. It starts with his conduct. And, and he says this. He says, and he had a godly jealousy for the church. He had a godly jealousy for the church. Where did the American church go wrong where we come in and we cross our arms and we, we want to find everything that's wrong with the church instead of going, man, come on in. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know what? He had a godly jealousy. Please don't let the enemy rob you. Please don't let the enemy go. He's going to take you off a path. He wants to kill you. No, come on in. Come on in. He also told the church, listen, I didn't take support from you guys, even though, even though I'm an apostle and you know you should. He says, I didn't want to what? I didn't want to give an opportunity of my enemies to accuse me for just doing this for money. Well, yes, I'll make an appearance, but it's going to cost you. Oh, sure, I'll. Money is just a, sometimes it's a bummer thing, is it not? Specifically as a pastor. Because I get asked to do stuff. I got asked to do a funeral for a dear family member. 
and they gave me an offering. And I'm, now I'm in a position where it's like, no, they're family. I would never. That's not why. No. But then I could not offend them. You understand it's a crazy thing. It's a crazy thing. So this morning, we come to Paul's sufferings, guys. And the real question as we come to finish chapter 11 is, are we fully devoted followers of Christ? I don't want to be a Christian in name only. I don't want to be a Christian and just like, well, I wear the T-shirt, I listen to Caleb, amen, praise the Lord. I want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's what we're going to ask. You guys ready? You ready? Okay. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that Paul's going to show us that he wasn't playing church, but that he really loved God and he really loved people. Amen? Look at verse 16. Paul writes, I say again, let no one think of me, let... Let no one think of me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, that I may boast a little. Do you guys see that? So what does Paul say? Paul says, once again, he seems to be apologizing for boasting. He simply wants to compare notes to these super apostles, okay? Now, he want, he, he's not sitting there going, let me tell you about these, let me tell you about these guys. I can tell you some things. Look, that's not a real Armani suit that he's wearing. That's not, I mean, he's not, he's not criticizing them. He says, but you want to compare notes? Let's compare notes. Okay. And he says, now I'm going to, I'm going to boast just a little bit. Now don't hold it against me if I continue to sound foolish. Don't hold it against me. Okay. He said, rather just accept that I'm a fool and let's go. And the church is going, okay. Okay. What, what are you saying, Paul? Here's what he says. He says, what I speak, I speak not, look at that, according to the Lord, but as it were, foolishly in this confidence of boasting. You go, what is Paul saying, Pastor? He's forced, his forced boasting. There's no example in the life of Christ. Finds no example in the life of Christ. Paul says, man, I have to indulge in it. He says, it goes against all my natural instincts. But it's not found in the life of Christ. See, I'm called to imitate Christ. And I just, uh. but he says, but listen, here's the deal. I need to call out some significant facts to get their attention. Okay? He, uh, guys, be careful with pastors and Christians that walk around going, look at me. I do this. Be careful when they want to boast themselves up. Be careful. Because he says, that's, that's, not, that's not the life of Christ. Christ says, listen, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Let the Lord lift us up. Let the Lord lift us up. Why, pastor? Why? Because these false teachers of Corinth were foolishly ignoring the instructions of Paul, who actually planted the church and led them to Christ. Their behavior showed them to be foolish, weak, even though they claimed to be what? Wise and strong. Okay? So, remember what Paul wrote back in 1 Corinthians 1.18. He said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Okay? So he goes, listen, the message of the cross, 
Okay, so you understand. I, I, I was talking to, to Haas outside, and I said, Haas, chapter 10 and 11, we got to find some application. And it's almost like turning on the news today, turning on your TV today and seeing some of this Christian. They're like boasting, and, and they're not boasting in the cross of Christ anymore. They're not boasting in the, in, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus only. And it really bothers me at times, guys, when people say, my ministry and my ministry, and my ministry, and it's like, listen, we're, it's God's ministry. I, I feel that. No, no, I know God entrusted me in this ministry. I get that. And he used all of us to, to lift. But, but, but here's my point. Here's my point, guys. It's, it's, without God, there is no ministry. And I don't want to boast. And so I'm going, Lord. And so, see, he's saying the message of the cross, guys, the death, burial, and resurrection, that seems to be foolish to people. I bet in your minds, you guys are very intelligent. You can think of one person that's, that you're going, man, I don't think they even message the, they don't even, they don't even talk about the cross anymore. And I never heard that pastor say sin. And I never heard him use the, pro, the word repent. And I never heard him say brokenness and forgiveness and grace and mercy. So what does Paul do? Look at verse 18 in our text, guys. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, he says, I will also boast. You know what he's saying? He's going, guys, let's compare resumes. We're going to compare resumes, okay? Now, what is Paul doing, guys? Put your thinking caps on. Paul, guys, is comparing, he's boasting to get the Corinthians thinking. Okay? That's what he wants to do. Paul's teaching is always to get you to think. How do you talk to an atheist? An atheist is somebody who goes, I don't believe in God. Now you can have this, you can have this debate, but the bottom line is what your goal is, is to get him to think. To get him to think, whoa, wait a minute. If this happened, how did this? And, and that's what Paul's doing. He's going, guys, let me, let me just get you to think. Let me just get you to think for a minute. So what's he going to do? His discussion of hardship is going to do something. He's going to go, listen, I'm going to tell you about some things in my life, but what's it going to do? It's going to expose the false teachers. Why? Because they're not, they're not, they're not enduring any hardships. Okay? They're self-centered. They could never demonstrate Paul and his companions' endurance, if you will, for the sake of the gospel. They could never do it. So Paul says, hey, let's talk. Let's chat. Let's compare resumes. Let's compare resumes. So what does he do? Well, look at verse 19. He says, church, listen, for you put up with the fools gladly, since you yourself are wise. You could feel Paul sarcastic, can't you? He's got a little bit of sarcasm. He's like, hey, listen. He says, um, you guys, you're putting up with this. You're gladly. People are coming in, and you're having these big rallies, and, and you're gladly just hook, line, and sinker, man. Oh, but you guys are wise, right? And then he says, verse 20, for you put up with it if one brings you into bondage. You'll put up with it if one devours you. You'll put up with it if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. Paul, what are you saying? What are you saying? Well, verse 20, Paul is actually giving a description of what's called a carnal ministry. Not a ministry born out of the spirit, but one born out of the flesh. And 
Warren Wearsby, who I love, just writes it like this. Listen to what he says, quote, It is one that brings people into bondage, this, this ministry, not liberty. It devours them selfishly. Its leaders exalt themselves and not to Christ. It smites the saints instead of helping heal their wounds. That's not how Paul's ministry went. What is there about the flesh that enjoys bondage? That honors the human schemes instead of the simple love and grace of Christ. You know what Paul says? Paul looks at me and says, guys, even sarcastically, he says, listen, if one devours you, you guys are accepting it gladly. And you go, what's he saying? Well, if you have a pencil handy, guys, he's referring to his references to exacting money. These, these false apostles were coming in and they were exacting money from the saints. As a matter of fact, the Lord taught us, look at Mark chapter 12, verses 30. I think it'll be on the screen. Look what he says. This is the New Living Translate. This is what Jesus taught. He said, beware of these teachers of the religious law. Why, Lord? For they are like a parade around in flowing robes. They like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace. And how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head of tables at banquets. Yet shamelessly, what do they do? Cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be more severely. What's that? Punished. This is what the Lord said. He said, you got a group of people who are walking around and they're like wanting the best seats in the house. Hi, Apostle Ben, how you doing? Open the door for me. I'm going to, I should, you, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Right? And then there, and, but he's saying, but guys, what you're doing is I see your heart. You're actually taking money from widows. You're taking their property. And then you look like you're very religious because you pray. And you pray these great bribe. Thus saith God. Oh, creator of heaven. You know, and they go on and on and on and on. And, and, and the Lord's like, look, this is exactly what you do. You're allowing these guys to come into the church at Corinth. I'm jealous because, guys, that's not the way of the Lord. Are you a fully devoted follower of Christ? Look at your heart. Because we should be walking in humility. We should be loving in humility. We're no better than anybody else. We're no better, guys, and, and, and that's why we're no better. And we walk in humility. Do we mess up? Yeah. But, but it's not, it's not, look at me. Look at me. As your pastor, guys, I don't think I could stand, I know I can't stand before a holy God and didn't say I, gave, I did everything I can to expound the word. I just can't. I'd rather get out of the ministry than to have a large crowd of people and not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I'm sorry, but that's, I, we just, no. You don't go into the ministry for money. You don't do the ministry for money. But God takes care of you, does he not? Does he not? 
So, right before I was supposed to do this funeral, I knew I was going to go on Sunday after church, right before, Nathalie calls me on Friday. She says, honey, you're so good looking. No, she didn't say that. Just kidding. (laughs) Just seeing if you're awake. Just seeing if you're awake. She says, honey, um, there's water in the closet. I think there's something wrong with the water heater. And I'm like, no. I just want to go on a date tonight. No. So she says, I'll call you back. So I wait. She goes, yep, something's wrong with the water heater. I'm like, oh, okay. So we, I go home. Guess what? Guess what? It's the water heater. And somehow it's flowing into the house a little bit, flowing there. And I'm just like, ah. So her and I are working frank, frantically to get uh, the water heater. So we get the water heater out. And you guys know how much they are, right? You know, they're, they're, yeah. Okay, so next morning we go, there we are, we go to the Home Depot and get our water heater. Go. And God blesses us. And I went to the mailbox and I thought there's going to be a check for that exact amount the water heater is. And I look and there was just bills. Lord, where's the check? <laughs> now, see, God had already taken care of that, but let me tell you the story. The story was is that, is that we knew somebody who, who God put favor, and their company came over and put our water heater in for free. Amen. Who does that? For, no, for free? For free, bro? For, for, no, that's, don't worry about it. No. Can I give you? No, we did. God bless you. Huh? Not only that, do you realize that the offering for the funeral was as much for the as the water heater? Amen. You go, Pastor, what, what, what's the point? I don't need to stand here and say, guys, you need to give money. I just need to trust God and he'll take care of us. He just, he will, guys, if you, if, anyways, I'm, 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 I'm preaching, I'm getting off, I'm sorry, let's, let's go back to our text. But the point is, is that these guys, these guys were, they were, they were just, they were trying to devour the widows, and, and he says, guys, you're doing that, stop. And he comes back in verse 21, he says, to our shame, I say that we too, we are too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am, Bold also. So sarcastically, everybody say that. Look, sarcastically, he says, I am ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. He says, well, I just, we just couldn't do that. He says, but whatever they dare to boast about, he says, I'm talking like a fool again. He says, I dare to boast. Okay? So what I wrote in my notes is it's about to go down. You understand. He's going to compare. Okay? So what were Paul's chief credentials? See, Paul didn't get out his folder and go, hey, man, here's my resume. You know what Paul did? He started showing. He goes, look. And he started showing the scars. And he showed the scars. And basically, guys, his chief credentials of his apostolic ministry were the wounds on his body that he, served, that he got serving Christ. Hey, you want to compare notes? Look at that. As a matter of fact, he wrote to the Galatian church. The Galatian church, he wrote in chapter 6, verse 17, he says this, From now on, let no one trouble you, trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Guys, this is Paul. 
Okay, so put on your thinking caps, guys. Here we go again. Paul the Apostle would never have mentioned any of this to them if not for the fact that he was defending the gospel. Okay, so what's he do? Well, in this final section as we go out, guys, he's going to do this. Paul's going to outline his most important achievements, okay, according to people's standards. He goes, okay, let's talk. You want? Let, let's, he says, let's talk about his ethnicity. Let's talk about his vocation. And then let's finish up with his hardship. That's what he's going to talk about, okay? So let's compare notes, guys. You ready? Here's what he's saying to these super apostles. Verse 22. He says, are they Hebrews? Question mark. So am I. Are they Israelites? He says, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I, okay? So what happens? Let me give you um, two thoughts in this verse very quickly. The first thought, guys, is he's not suggesting that being Jewish is a necessary qualification of ministers. He's not going, hey, in order for you to be a minister, you have to be Jewish. He's not saying that at all. But what he's saying is that it provides the benefit of knowing the Old Testament. Being Jewish, being raised in Hebrew, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. All right. Quiz time. How many of you know the first five books of the Bible? You got it memorized? You got all of Genesis, all 50 chapters memorized. They had to. So he goes, man, I know this. I know this. He said, the second, guys, the second uh, thought was, he says, the climax of Hebrews, he goes, he says, that's referring to what? Language and nationality. I know where Jesus, I know how he's going to grow up. The Messiah. Israelites in theocracy in a descent from Israel. And he says, in the seed of Abraham, he says, the claim to share in the Messiah. Okay? So Paul's going, okay, so let's chat. You're, you, you guys say you're Hebrew? I'm Hebrew too. You say, you're of Israel. I'm, I'm Israel too. I'm the seed of Abraham. Okay? And so everybody's on the same playing field right now, right? And so he goes on and he says in verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? Question mark. He says, I speak as a fool. Here's why. I am more. Everybody say that with me. I am more. One more time. In what, guys? He says, in labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. You go, what? Oh, yeah, see, I used to say when I was young, I want the, I want the Pauline, I want the Pauline, Lord, I want your, I want to see a bright light come down. I want you to knock me off my high horse. I want to see you, God. But Paul says, no, 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 you don't understand. Do you realize what he said? He took him over to Damascus and he said, listen, this is my servant Paul. He's Saul, but Paul. And I'm going to show him all the things he must suffer for my namesake. How would you like that as your, um, Christianity conversion? Hey, how many of you want to give their lives to Jesus? Everyone goes, yeah, me. Okay, let me tell you all the things you're going to suffer for him. Come forward. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But he says this. Check it out, guys. He says, I labored more than anyone. This is Paul. I worked harder than anybody. Now, let's clarify. Let's clarify. Paul was not working for his salvation. There's a lot of people who are working in hopes that God would be pleased with them and that they would do just enough work that what God would say, oh, okay, come on in, I have a place for you in heaven. Paul's not saying that. Paul says, I gave my life to Jesus on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, and I'm saved. And because I'm saved, I'm working hard for you. 
how, listen, I applaud you men who work hard to provide for your family. I applaud you because that's God-given. You work hard to provide for your, you go, listen, I love my family. I love my wife. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get up. (coughs) I'm sick, but I'm going to go to work because I love my family. That's what Paul's saying. He loves the church so much. He goes, I'm going to work hard for you guys. Nobody's working harder. As a matter of fact, he says this. Nobody's gotten beat more times than me. Guys, nobody's gotten beat. He says, I don't know. By the way, have y'all been put in prison for your faith? Have y'all been put in prison? He says, matter of fact, man, I've been near death so many times. As a matter of fact, I saw heaven once. It was stuff I couldn't even explain. Paul's not claiming to be a Christian. Paul's saying, I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus. But he's going to go on. Listen, here's, let's compare. He says, from the Jews, guess what, guys? Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Five times he got beat, 39 lashes. You know what his back looked like? All the scars? Paul says, look, just, just take a quick, just take a quick look. This is, this is because of Jesus. This isn't because I'm obnoxious. This isn't because I'm walking around and I think I'm something. This is because I'm trying to win people. I'm, I'm planting churches. I'm going against the flow. You guys realize as believers, you're going against the flow. You are going upstream. Everybody's coming down. You're, you're swimming upstream. Paul says that, that happened. He says, three times, guys, I was beaten with rods. I can't even imagine. Bam, bam, Paul. Renounced you. Who is this Jesus the way? Boom. Oh, three times. Left for dead. Notice what Paul says. He says, once I was stoned. With rocks. Okay, guys, don't think about anything. With rocks. If you were to get stoned with rocks, guys, it was almost certain death. Because most of the times they walked you off a cliff. They pushed you over, and then they threw rocks at you so you wouldn't move. Paul says, I, I was stoned. Okay, can we be honest in church? Is this a good place to be honest? How many of us would have said at that point, Mm-mm. Lord, that's your church. I'm out. Listen, after, after the stoning... Santos, you're on your own, bro. After the stoning, you, I mean, I like you and all, but don't, mm, I'm not going to get stoned for you anymore. That's what Paul would say. But see, as fully devoted follower of Christ, guys, we go, this is, this is what Paul says. Paul says, listen, I was stoned once. Three times I was shipwrecked. Night and day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers. Guys, Paul's trying to spread the gospel and people are robbing him. Wow. Wow. I, I don't know about you. I'm not in a super an apostle, but I don't even want to compare myself to Paul. Okay? Because the closest I've come to prison as a pastor is that somebody got mad at me and they wrote me a, a, a nasty letter. You see the difference? 
but, but, but guys, look, he says, he says, in robbers, in, in perils of my own countrymen, he said, my, my family, my Hebrews, they were upset with me. He says, in perils of the Gentiles. He says, man, I was in trouble in the city. I was in trouble in the wilderness. I was in trouble in the sea. And he says, in perils among false brethren. Check this out. Look at verse 27, guys. In weariness and toil and sleeplessness. When was the last time that we had a lack of sleep because you were a Christian? In hunger and thirst. In hunger. We have a very popular term in America, don't we? If we don't have a meal, what do we say? I'm starving. Well, what happened? I didn't eat breakfast. Paul's going, uh, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, man, I'm starving, Paul. I didn't eat breakfast. <sighs> and I don't know, lunch is not looking good either. Paul says, man, listen, for the gospel's sake, guys, I'm, for the gospel, I'm hungry. He says, in fastings. Now, here's the one where, where in cold. In cold. How many of you love cold? It's coming tomorrow. He says, in cold and nakedness. He says, besides that, if that wasn't enough, I've been in prison, I've been beaten, I've been stoned, I've been almost drowned three times. I'm getting on a boat. I don't even want to get on a boat anymore. <laughs> Paul, you want a free cruise? Mm-mm. <laughs> Three's enough. Three's enough. He says, not only that, look at it. He says, my deep concern was for all the churches. Man, I love you guys. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. Okay, so do you guys remember? This is our fighting position. You guys remember? Okay, this is us right here. We're praying, we're fasting, we're we're reading the word of God. But this this is an area of what? Of weakness, not of strength. And I don't know if you noticed what Paul said. Paul said, I am boasting in the areas of my weakness. Because when I'm weak, he is strong. Paul's not going, look at me, man. I'm a super apostle. I've got it all down, man. I've got, listen, just he going, listen, this is what this is. You want to compare? Let's compare. Let's compare. And so he's, and so he's using this, guys. He attested to what? He did not boast of the things attested to his strengths, but to his weaknesses. See, the Judaizers, guys, were boasting of their converts. Look at the people I saved. Look at the people who listened to me. They're counting up numbers. And Paul's saying, let me tell you, I'm counting up how many times I've been in jail or I've been beaten. And not only this, but guys, i got to be honest with you. He says, the false doctrine and the divisions threatening the church, he says, man, they're giving me a migraine. I worry about them so much. There's only so many letters I can write. There's only, guys, it wasn't like he could get on an airplane and go to the next church. He had to, it took a while before he could go and, and, and talk to them. But see, Paul 
loved people. And my challenge to you guys before we go on is do we love the people of Amarillo, the people of Lubbock? Do we love them? And if we love them, guys, we pray, God, give us an opportunity to share how wonderful you are to them. God, God, give me an opportunity to share you. That's, that's, what's, that's what it's about. That's what he's saying. Mm. And then in verse 30, Paul writes, If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The greatest application I can think of is the application my wife gave me. When she was diagnosed with cancer five years ago, there was a time in her life when she got up, I was still asleep, and she went into the living room. And she began crying out to the Lord. And you need to understand my wife. My wife was a fitness instructor. She would kill us on Monday nights with fitness. I mean, she, she was the strongest phys- physical woman I ever knew. She would have us do push-ups. I would cheat a lot of the push-ups, but she would catch me. You, you understand what I'm saying. She, physically, and then cancer struck her body. And, she, and one night she was sitting on the couch and she was crying out to the Lord. And she says, Lord, I hate weak. I hate being weak. I can't get up. The chemo is just a lot. And, I can't. and God ministered to her this very way. He said, it's, it's in your weakness that I am strong. And what the Lord told her, I'll never forget. The Lord said, listen, you don't have to do anything. I've already done it. That's what he's saying. Paul says, listen, we don't have to boast about how great we are or what we've done or our accomplishments. So I think it's a matter of perspective, wouldn't you? When you're serving the Lord and you're moving forward and you're being attacked and there's some things going on and you're going, wow, this is really spiritual. Instead of sometimes like us going, what? Oh, I don't, can't believe it's happening. I don't. We go, thank you, Lord. Because we're, we're making a dent into the kingdom of hell. We went to a retirement party for a lieutenant colonel. And in his retirement speech, he said that in his boasting, he said, my job was to make sure that every one of my men got home. Every one of them. And, to, and he says, and to my Amazement to my, to my ability, whatever he says, every one of my men and women that were, I got them home safely. And Nathalie looked at me, she goes, that's exactly what you are. Your job is to make sure that every one of you get home safe. I said, wow. That's what Paul's saying. My job isn't to brag or boast, but to make sure that every one of us gets home. And Paul says, listen, I'll, I'll be shipwrecked, I'll be stoned, I'll be beaten, because I want to make sure Mike gets home. 
I want to make sure Nick gets home. I'll do whatever it takes. I want to make sure that Josh and Amanda get home. That's my job. That's my job. Okay, so let's close, guys. Let's close with the last three verses. Now, don't put your Bibles away because I usually hear zip, 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 zip. Don't Hold on, we got three verses. Three verses. It says, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. Thank you, Paul. He says, in Damascus, the governor, um, Aretas, the king, right, under guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison, was desiring to arrest me. He says, but I was let down in a basket through the window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Now, does this sound like a super apostle? He's going, you understand, man, the popo were after me. So much so that they had to let me down. Oh, how embarrassing. Here I am, Paul, all right? There he is. How can I glory in that? How can I glory in that? You realize that he's illustrating that how a believer has almost put him in prison. And he says, man, think about it. How humiliating, how humiliating it must have been for him, this great rabbi, to be lowered over a wall in a basket. You go, Ben, why would he say that? Because he wants the Corinthians to think. What does he want them to think? Would the Judaizers, would the super apostles have stooped this low? No. What they would have done is compromised their message and walked out the city gate. You see, Paul faced sufferings from every, from the very first day of his ministry to the very last days. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said about being a disciple. He says, you know what the cost of discipleship is? Is death. Who's in? Because we need to die to self. There's, there's going to be. Oh, Lord, protect us from seeing the ministry and saying, oh, I see it's glamour, and I see, look, you're in front of all these people, and they just love you, Pastor Penn, and, and they give you high fives, and you're just like their pastor, and they're praying for you, and, they, and I want to be a pastor too. And it's like, no, 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 no. Being a pastor, guys, is certain death. Because Paul told us, being a Christian, he tells us, this in Second Timothy three twelve he says yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will what suffer. suffer persecution. I love you guys, but this is what the Word of God says, and I wish I would say, hey man, all of you who are going to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to take the world by storm. It's going to be amazing. But he says, but there's going to be some persecution in there. And, and guys, you're going, to, you're going to suffer some setbacks. And it might be from family. I wonder why you're so, you're so religious and why you're so... Why, what? You're going to suffer. It might be from your boss. And your boss says, man, why do you keep praying all the time, man? Why, why is it... Oh. It might be from random people you didn't even know. Here's a question. Are you a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Why? Because if we are, may our faith shine 
through today. And may it be obvious to others. May it be obvious to others. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord. And, and Lord, help us to just think and, and, and apply the message. Lord, we, we stand humbled that we would follow you. And Lord, we have not experienced all that Paul has experienced. But we love you anyway, and we trust you. God, help us to put on perspective that in these last days, Lord, when the devil knows that his time is short, we would follow you even harder. We surrender our lives to you. I never want to leave a teaching without an opportunity for anyone to surrender their lives to Jesus. And I know there might be somebody watching online, or there might even be somebody here who says, hey, man, I've... <sighs> ben, you were saying some things? Ah, wow. And some lights were going on, and some things were happening in my brain, and you know what I've come to the realization, Ben? I, I don't think I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have that that I want. I, I want that relationship. And so if you're here today and God is speaking to your heart, and listen, I just want to tell you that God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And if you'll just open up your heart and invite him inside, he'll come in. And he'll forgive you, and he'll give you a new purpose and a new life. You go, what do I have to do? Listen, if God is speaking to you, all you have to do is just pray. Just say, God, I believe in you. I trust you. I know, God, and I confess with my own mouth I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. I believe, Jesus, you died for me. I believe, Jesus, that you rose again on the third day and I believe you are God. But I need help, Lord, because in this world it's, it's rough. It's, it's rough. I don't want to go back to my old life, so I repent of that. But I want to follow you, Jesus. So God, I need your help. And so therefore, I'm asking you, would you come in my heart and govern my life? Be my Lord and be my God, be my Savior, and Lord, be my friend. Because I choose to follow you this day for forever and yours. In Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.